Welcome to the Country Hipster Podcast. My name is Paul. I am the Country Hipster. That music that you just heard is no other than the Unholy Four and their hit song, Dirty Knife. Go check them out on Spotify or Bandcamp or Apple Music or wherever you can find the Unholy Four. You can also follow them on Instagram as well. Um, So usually I have to my left my brother and co-host Adam, um, but today I just have Snoop Dogg. Um, So basically what happened here is... um, Adam has spoken enough shit about Mexico and the Mexican people that um, we've had to cancel Adam. We, we, we have had to cancel and we couldn't have him on the podcast any longer. That's also total bullshit. Adam's actually never said anything bad about uh, Mexico or Mexican people. He actually only maybe once or twice notated that he didn't really like Corona and um, you know, and probably other Mexican beers. But I think over the last, you know, three months or so, or almost four months at this point, we've pretty much have changed his uh, attitude towards uh, Mexican beers or Mexican style lagers and whatnot. At least that's what I'm hoping. Um, But Adam is not here with me today. So uh, let me kind of explain what's going on here. Um, The best way, the best way for me to, to explain this is actually start from the beginning. So we actually started filming the podcast in March of uh, 2023 of this year. And we've recorded our pilot episode. And my initial thought was that we would release the pilot episode uh, sometime in April. Um, You know, beginning middle of April, we released the, uh, the uh, pilot episode. And uh, then we would do our, what I was considering episode one, which was the bright eyes episode. We would do that the second week of May. Um, so the plan with that though, was from the time we started recording in March up until when the, uh, the episode one of uh, the bright eyes episode that we did came out in May, we were going to record episodes during that time. And during that time that would give us a buffer. So that way, if something came up and we weren't able to record on a Monday night, which is usually when we record, um, that it didn't matter. We could skip a week and it, uh, we were still good to go because we had episodes recorded in advance. Even in the early episodes, you hear us talking about, Oh, well this comes out like may blah, blah, blah. And you know, but what I wasn't thinking, um, which our, uh, producer, director and editor extraordinaire, uh, Mr. Jack Weiss, my son, uh, what he said was, well, no, once you put it out, you just go, you don't, you don't launch a pilot and then wait a few weeks. Like you, you go, you launch, you launch, and you just keep going. Um, so his logic was correct. And by that logic, um, we started recording and, um, we were only about three or four episodes deep and, uh, when, you know, we started really like rolling with this. So a few things have come up where we've had to skip a few episodes. Um, as, as mentioned before, Adam does work nights. Um, he works overnights. There's a couple of scheduling issues that he had. Um, we went to the, the gaslight Anthem concert the one week instead of filming, um, and just a couple other things. So ultimately we ended up the last maybe four or five episodes have been, uh, just, uh, we're recording on Monday and we're releasing them on Thursday, which is our regular day to release them. So this week it is actually now Tuesday of the week, uh, that I'm recording this is it's Thursday that you are, uh, you're actually seeing this. It'll be Thursday the 10th that you're actually seeing this. Um, but, uh, is that date right? That date is right. Thursday the 10th when you'll actually be seeing this. Um, but I'm recording it on Tuesday. 
Uh, we were actually going to record on Sunday this week, but I had a family emergency come up. Uh, so I had to cancel our recording session um, and filming session for Sunday night. Um, and I already knew that Adam wasn't available on Monday because he had, uh, had some work uh scheduling issues that he had to deal with um so my plan was recorded last night monday but we had some storms come through uh the philadelphia area specifically bucks county and right as i was gathering everything up to uh to get ready to film this and record it for you all um power went out and came back on at around five o'clock this morning um so we were out without power for a while but it wasn't you know that big of a deal we just hung out and you know, went to bed and woke up and boom, we had power. The air conditioning was back on. Great. Um, so yeah, so that is, uh, why I didn't record last night and why I'm recording tonight and a family emergency. So eventually we'll get, we'll get, um, a few episodes deep. Um, so we're a little bit ahead of it. Um, so if you were tuning in, expecting to hear our review of the Hooters one way home, you will have to come back next week for that. So what I didn't want to do was I didn't want to skip any weeks for you guys, especially we're, we're a fairly new podcast. And uh, if you're watching this and you're listening, um, we, we hope you have subscribed and I really appreciate that you have for the people who have. And if you haven't subscribed, please consider subscribing on our uh, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We're on a lot of different, um, outlets right now. Uh, I know iHeartRadio, I think CastBox, uh, Apple Podcasts. So wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever you're listening to this right now, please subscribe to the Country Hipster Podcast. I really appreciate that. Um, so also, wait, I got to, I got to backtrack a little bit. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Now, if you look at our, our listings of our podcast, our episodes, you're going to notice that there is an off number. We technically are skipping episode 19 we're not skipping episode 19 in actuality but uh paperwork wise we are so when we started doing this again i'm the uh the podcast idiot whereas my son he he knows everything that's why he is our director producer and editor extraordinaire i considered the pilot just the pilot it's the pilot episode um the bright eyes episode in my eyes was episode one, season one, episode one, there was the pilot and then season one, episode one, Jack being how he is, has been numbering them from the pilot as episode one. So his numbering has been a number ahead of what I've been putting on the, um, the, uh, basically the listings, the titles. So, uh, because I'm taking this opportunity to do what we're doing here today, um, we're technically skipping episode 19, uh, but episode 19 was technically the cure disintegration last week's episode. So we're, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but this is now episode 20. Um, this is our emergency episode and we are calling it a random record episode. So what does that mean? Okay. So let's get to it. Here is what we are looking at here. If you see right up here, I have 15 different records, What you can't see is that on the top here on the record here, I'll take one off because I don't want to give anything away. Uh, you can see here I have these little post-it notes and they are numbered 1 through 18. Um, under the cardboard uh, is a record. So one of the things I talk about uh, here on the podcast is about how I have to grade the records and list all the records for uh, the OtswellRecordGarage.com as well as the uh, Otswell Record Garage Discogs page. Um, I don't always have time to do that. 
Um, I have a now eight-month-old daughter uh, who is beautiful, and I love her to death, uh, but she takes up a lot of my time. And I'm also an active musician, which um, I do have some shows coming up, uh, but maybe we'll get to that later. Um, so I'm going to take this opportunity here to not only give you a record review, but also grade a record that I'm then going to list on the website. And we're going to get into how I grade records and why I grade records and, and the way I do it um, to list them on yachtswellrecordgarage.com so you can actually buy from us in confidence. Um, so these random records here are all records that I have set aside um, for my random inventory that I've uh, I've gathered um, purchasing used records from other people or, um, Nick, who was our, who was our uh, guest on the uh, brand new episode, uh, which is episode 15. Um, he, he always gives me records. I have other friends that give me records. Um, I have people I buy records from. So, um, these are all a bunch of records from those different things that I need to get to, uh, to grading and listing on the, on the, site. So I'm going to take one of those records and that's going to be a random record. I don't want to get into my 25 or Adam's 25. And I don't want to pick something from my personal collection because it might end up in season two and I don't want to ruin season two, which speaking of season two, as I'm going back, um, if there's something that we haven't done or don't do during season one, or just that you would like to see us do a review of, please put it in the comments, mark it in the comments, send me an email at info at ottsvillerecordgarage.com and just say, hey, here's what I want to hear in season two, because what we are working on season two and we're doing a little bit of a format change, still the basic idea, but we want to be able to um, talk about and review some of the records that uh, you, the listener, is... Uh, suggesting to us. So I think that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. So please drop, drop those, uh, drop those things in the comments on YouTube or Spotify, um, or just shoot us an email. Um, and, uh, we'll go from there with that. We will definitely add those things. So just to give you an idea, there is a mix of different things in here. Some bands I love, some bands I hate, um, some stuff and the value, uh, changes a lot too. Generally, if something's a lower value, I only do a, a visual grading of it. Um, and I will list that in the listing. That is one thing that, that kind of like gets to me with people who sell used records, especially online. Um, and I get it. I do get it to an extent. Most, not all, but most records that you see online or even in a record store are only visually graded. So generally they're looking at saying, okay, this looks pretty good. I'm gonna look at the cover. I'm gonna look at the, the vinyl. Ultimately it's the vinyl that matters more in regards to value. They'll, you know, either price it based off of previous sales or what, you know, what they can find on Discogs, but they generally only visually grade records. Not everybody is listening to records. I do visually grade records up to a certain point. Two things with that. Number one, it's generally a lower price point, um, like maybe like uh, under ten dollars. Usually, even even lower than that. Um, just because I'm very specific about the records that I buy, um, you know, I I sometimes maybe don't visually grade over like six dollars. You know, it it just depends on what it is. But generally, it's a lower value that like, hey, if I spend three dollars on this record and it sounds like shit, I don't really care. You know what I mean? It's like, cool, whatever, it's $3, you know? Um, but uh, I list that it's visually graded. If I have something that is visually graded, I will actually put the first two words on the description on our Discogs page and the website for that title is visually graded. So you know that I didn't listen to this. Generally things that are above a certain value or that I just want to listen to, I will 
listen to those records and that is how I grade them uh, by listening to them. Um, I clean them, I uh, listen to them and then, you know, price them based on the research of market value of what's going on with Discogs and whatnot. And some of it is based off of uh, previous sales experience also. Um, you know, if I have like, I don't know, like 10 Barry Manilow records of like the same title. I might actually like visually grade all that, but it's generally listed as, Hey, there's multiple copies of this. It's usually like maybe listed for a dollar, $2, something like that. And I'll say it's like multiple copies of all varying degrees. We ship the best one first, you know, go for it again. It's a dollar or $2 record. And it's like something that we would have a lot of. Um, but if I have something that's like, you know, um, a Beatles record, that's like worth, you know, say even $8 resale of a used record, I'm going to listen to that record regardless if I like it or not. Um, I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to give you an honest review or not an honest review. I'm going to give you an honest review today, but I'll give you an honest grading. And I also grade conservatively. Um, so some of the records that are here right now, so I just wrote down a few of them. I don't know what order they're in anymore because I set this up and, and you know, covered them up. So I don't know what they are. So I got a Pat Benatar in there. I got a Beatles in there. There's a Paul Simon in there. There's a Led Zeppelin in there. There's even a Frank Sinatra. So, so it's kind of all over the place. So I don't know what we're going to be getting out of this here. Um, what I do know is that I'm going to be picking it at random because I made these little tabs up, right? They're numbered one to 15 as well. And I am going to take my, I am going to call this my picture of Tom. I do not want to use the box of Michael because that is for like a, you know, our, our 50 records, uh, 25 each between me and Adam respectively. Also, but speaking of the box of Michael, um, again, this is, uh, this is Tuesday, uh, Michael, who the box of Michael is named after, um, just recently had a birthday over the weekend. So happy birthday, Michael. And ironically enough, our brother, Brian is here for Brian. They actually have the same birthday or had the same birthday. Brian doesn't have any birthdays anymore, um, but they had the same birthday, um, but they were born uh, three years apart, two years, three years. I think it's three years. I think it was three years apart, uh, but on the same day. So that, that, that was pretty, uh, pretty cool. So happy birthday, Mike and Brian, Brian. And uh, we go from there. Uh, if you have noticed, I am still on my sugar detox, so I am drinking the AHA. This is, once again, the uh, the peach and honey flavor, which is probably my favorite flavor. Got a few different flavors, but that I think that I think that's my favorite. But, like I said, so this is uh, our picture of Tom, even though it has a picture of uh, the country hipster on the front. I actually use this picture um, when I'm playing shows. I'll put it out. I started putting it out as a tip jar um, because people would, like, come up to me to give me a tip, and I'd be like, oh, just put it on the music stand or just throw it in the case and... You know, it is what it is. Um, so I started taking this. I got this. I was at a uh, an Oktoberfest um, a couple years back, and uh, you could buy pitchers of beer there. It was really cool. But you had to leave a $5 pitcher deposit. And so if you returned the pitcher, you got your 5 bucks back. If you wanted to keep the pitcher, you paid 5 bucks for the pitcher. So I actually paid 5 bucks for this pitcher. I drank many beers out of it that day. Um, so it has, it has done me well. And now it is my tip jar. And since Tom Bernard or Bernhard is the uh, official bartender of the Otsville record garage in the country podcast, we have named the pitcher after Tom and is the pitcher of Tom. So I'm going to put these numbers in here. Boop, 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 boop. Like I said, I, I cut these out. I did these crudely. They're very crude as to what they are. And from here, I will select what our random record review is going to be on. Um, so, and I am going to straight listen to it. I'm going to clean it. I'm going to listen to it. I'm also going to grade it for the website, for the country, uh, for the Otsville record garage.com. And, uh, 
we're going to do that in uh, in just a moment here. So, once again, mix it up. You can hear it. I don't know if you can hear that. But here we go. And I'm going to pick a tab. Boom. Right here. Here's the tab. I don't know what number it is yet. Number 11. All right. So let's see which record number 11 is. Give me one second. All right. So here it is. Number 11. I can see the back cover right now. I know what this is. This is pretty funny. If you ask me, I almost burn it up because of my candle here. Um, boom. It's the Carpenters now and then. So that is what our random record review and grading is going to be on. Uh, Karen Carpenter uh, and her brother. Oh, Karen Carpenter. Let's do it. Yep. So that is what our random record review is going to be on. That is what I will be grading and reviewing for you in just a few minutes. So the first thing I am going to do, and I do this with every record I grade, whether it's visually or listening to it, is that um, I'm going to clean the record um, because I do not want to ship someone a, a dirty record. Um, so I'm going to clean the record, and I use a couple different things. Now, I don't have, uh, I don't, I don't have a record cleaner. Right. So all my records are actually cleaned by hand. This is also probably why it takes me so long to grade everything. Eventually, I would love to get one of those really nice like VPI um, record cleaning machines or some sort of like sonic record machine, something like that, um, where it like cleans them real quick and, and whatnot. And it's good. And then you can go. Um, I've thought about getting like a spin wash or uh, I think the other like uh, I think a uh, vinyl style has uh, has a spin wash type of deal. The problem with that is like, you know, I guess my fear is that even though you put the things over the label, I'm going to mess up the labels um, as well as like, then you wash it, but then you got to wait for it to dry. So then that's taking time away from, you know, me being able to grade that record. And like, yeah, maybe I do like five or 10 at a time and then leave them on a drying rack to go. But then still it's, it's, you know, it's still collecting dust while it's, while it's waiting to dry. And again, it's slowing me down. So uh, what I actually do is I clean the records by hand. I basically use, uh, uh, terry cloths like the kind you would uh you would like uh you know get for like turtle wax to like wax your car or, or dry off your car something like that um and i use two different cloths right i generally use a green cloth to clean it um if you know green to clean and then i'll use a different color to um to dry it off and and i'll use different solutions i will use a vinyl style solution sometimes i will use the uh, uh mobile fidelity one cleaning solution i generally put it into a spray bottle um and uh, I'll spray the, the towel itself. I'll clean off the record, dry it off, flip it over. Uh, again, same thing, spray, you know, spray the towel, clean it off, dry it off. I do this on actually, um, you can get like those drying mats uh, that you see at like Target or Walmart or something like that to dry your dishes uh, when you don't, don't want to have a, have a dish rack. So I'll put it on the drying mat, I'll clean it off. Um, and, uh, and then that's what I'll do. Then I'll listen to it. I'll listen to the record. So, uh, when we cut here, I'm going to, um, oh, and that's the other thing. If it needs a new sleeve, if this record needs a new sleeve, I haven't looked inside yet. I don't know. Actually, I'm going to do something too, but if it needs a new sleeve, um, I would, uh, go ahead and replace the inner sleeve. It's just generally a, a paper sleeve, but I don't, I don't like the ship stuff without sleeves. So this guy here, let's see, I did want to do a visual grade on it. Um, so first just visually, you know, the first thing you do is you, you know, you, you, you grade the cover. So, um, this cover 
you know, it's a it's a trifold cover, which is which is pretty cool. Um, it does have a dent on the end here. Um, it has a little bit of ring wear, nothing nothing major. Um, and the middle, I don't know if you can see it, but the middle panel is separated from the back. So now this is not a split. I would not consider this a seam split, but I would consider it a separation. And I would also notate that in the description, which I will do when, uh, when we do that. So I would probably put this cover because ultimately the middle panel, you know, you don't, you don't use that for anything. It's basically for show. Um, I would put this most likely at a uh, very good for the cover. Um, this particular record does have the original inner sleeve, so I don't have to replace the inner sleeve. And if I were to visually grade this record, just visually grade this record again, I don't know the value of this record. So offhand, I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I know it's the Carpenters now and then, um, not really as familiar with this record. I do have other Carpenter stuff already listed. Um, but uh, visually speaking, before it's cleaned, it has a little bit of wear, has a couple little scuff marks, but nothing deep, nothing crazy. Doesn't, you know, if you look at the, the hole that's in the middle there in the label, it's not really, you know, messed up. So I would venture to say this hasn't been played a whole lot. Um, I, I would probably visually grade this at very good plus. Um, but... We're going to listen to it so that way we really know because just because something looks very good plus does not mean that it plays very good plus. I've, I've seen records, um, honestly, right factory sealed. I open it up. I take it out. I clean it. I put it onto my turntable and the fucking thing skips. It's And it's like it's not it's it's a manufacturing defect or, or it's something with the vinyl or that that particular uh, one that I have. It happens, you know, so that's why visual grading, especially above a certain price point, is not necessarily reliable. Um, so we are going to listen to this. I will look up the value visually. Like I said, I would I would probably visually grade this at. Uh, whoops, I'm doing it the wrong way. I'd visually grade this at a very good plus, um, but we're going to clean it up and we're going to listen to it. And uh, we're going to come back in just a few minutes uh, with my official record review and grading of the carpenters now and then on this episode of the country hipster podcast so stick around in literally probably like five seconds i'll be back for you all right cool talk to you soon and welcome back to the oddsville record garage i am still the country hipster paul and uh see it's just a few seconds there we were gone and we are back i have um finished listening to carpenters now and then which is the uh, random record that was selected today i got it right up here on my little uh little stand there um just to show you how real deal this is i have a different colored candle if you look back just a few minutes ago there was a black candle in the high life uh bottle here that we're melting the wax on um this is a green one so you know it's legit it's a different candle and everything it's been a little while we listened to the record so um did a lot of intro stuff there so we're just going to get right into this right now um carpenters now and then this is the fifth studio album for the carpenters which which was released on may the 1st 1973 the same day it was released they performed at the white house following a state dinner for west german chancellor willie brandt um if you are of a certain age, you have no idea what the hell West Germany is. Um, 
you know, just go back and look up history and look up what the Berlin Wall was and what that meant. And you'll know the difference between East Germany and West Germany. This album was actually produced by Richard and Karn produced by Richard and Karen Carpenter. So they were the producers on this album. Uh, something that's kind of cool about this trifold color cover here. Um, this is a picture of Karen and Richard driving past the Carpenter family home, which is on Newville Avenue in Downey, California. So if you live in Downey, California, uh, specifically on Newville Avenue, there is a possibility you live in or near the Carpenter family home. Um, so <clears throat> this album for all intents and purposes is basically an album of covers with the exception of the song yesterday. Once more, um, it's kind of similar to, uh, Willie Nelson stardust, which we, uh, believe that was episode two. Um, and, uh, that was also an album of covers. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so they did that here. Um, apparently in the, uh, yeah, actually, no, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Uh, so yeah, basically this is an album of covers with the exception of yesterday once more, which Richard Carpenter did write, apparently got the, the melody in his head while driving. And, um, so he did, um, they fully cover a few songs on this, um, which is basically side one. So, uh, sing by Joe Raposo, who was a frequent, uh, composer on Sesame street. Um, the masquerade by Leon Russell Heather by Johnny Pearson, which is an instrumental, uh, jambalaya on the Bayou by Hank Williams. And, uh, I can't make music by Randy Edelman. Uh, so, so that's side one, that's side one. And those are the songs where it's like full songs of this is, this is, um, what we're doing here. Um, side two, uh, it starts with yesterday once more, which they do do a full version of yesterday once more, but then it goes right into this medley. So there's like an 18, minute medley uh which is pretty much side two um the medley consists on side two consists of songs by the beach boys ellie greenwich carol king and just a bunch of other people um excuse me and a um there's also a reprise of yesterday once more uh which is the song they do the full song of yesterday once more um as the lead into the medley um so, and we'll get, we'll get to the medley in a second. Uh, still with the factoids here now and then is one of only two Carpenter albums where Karen plays all or most of the drums on. Um, she does not play the drums on the song Jambalaya, um, which is really a shame that like she didn't play the drums completely across the board for Carpenters because Karen is a fucking amazing drummer. I'm not a drummer guy. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't kind of care less. Uh, Mike for the box of mics is an amazing drummer. Um, drummers are drummers to me. Um, whatever. Uh, she was fucking amazing. I actually recently saw a video. I don't remember if it was on Instagram, if it was real or if it was a TikTok or something, um, of her drumming. And that's actually when I realized she was a drummer. I didn't even know she was a drummer. I thought she was a singer and nothing more, but a singer, a beautiful voice, beautiful singer. Um, but no, nah, man, she's a fucking badass drummer. And, you know, you could have definitely put her up there against any fucking drummer of the seventies and she probably fucking rock it really hard. But at any rate, um, still on with the fact toys, this album is two times platinum selling over 2 million units. 
uh, here in the US. Uh, it hit number two on the Billboard 200 weekly charts and was number 51 on the Billboard uh, year-end charts of 1973. So those are the factoids about the album and a little opinion uh, regarding Karen Carpenter's drumming skills, which once again are fucking amazing. Look up, like just Google Karen Carpenter drumming and you will be absolutely amazed at uh, what that woman was able to do uh, behind a kit. Uh, so personally, I thought the album, it's, it's a solid, it's a solid album. Um, I don't go out of my way to listen to the Carpenters, but you know, every time I listen to the Carpenters, I'm like, man, this is actually pretty fucking great. Um, I believe uh, there's technically some Carpenters albums in, uh, my personal collection, but but that's because they were actually Katie's Carpenter albums. Um, and so when we got married, we did combine our, our collections. So um, she may have actually even taken them from like used inventory that I had coming in where I'm like, oh, I have a bunch of these same album. Um, this one I don't, though. This is actually the first time I've come across this album. And the only copy that I know right now, um, there's still a lot of albums that haven't been listed for sale. Um, but uh there's still a lot of, uh, you know, this is the only copy I have of this album. Um, generally speaking, um, there's solid songs. Uh, Karen's voice is beautiful. Um, she sings with such emotion and it really, you know, she, she, Karen Carpenter left this world way too soon. So what's once more for Karen Carpenter here. It's probably the last time we'll do that. Maybe not, but you know, cause we're talking about Karen Carpenter a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, I will say that I think it's weird that, um, there is an instrumental on an album that is essentially has, uh, six songs on it. And one of those songs being an 18 minute med medley, uh, of other people's songs. And honestly, like in the medley, at least on this, I know, I don't know if the CD version is different, but on this, on this copy, this, uh, this pressing, um, the vinyl pressing, there is like in between the medleys, like I said, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of different songs on the medleys. Like just to give you an idea, it's like, you got fun, fun, fun by the beach boys. Um, the end of the world, uh, by Arthur Kent and Sylvia, Sylvia D do run, run, um, by Ellie Greenwich and Phil Spector, uh, dead man's curve, um, Johnny angel. Uh, what else is it? The, the night has a thousand eyes. Our day will come. And one fine day by Carol King. Um, yeah, each each of these songs has this stupid. I, I'm I'm guessing uh, it doesn't really say who it is. I'm guessing that the voice in between the the songs in the medley is Richard Carpenter. Um, it fucking is stupid. There's just this like, hey, and listen to the DJ of the blah blah blah, and we're gonna take you back to this time. And it's just like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like. If you're going to do a medley, just fucking let the medley play. Like Karen sing the songs and just fucking let the medley go. Don't do this fucking stupid DJ bullshit in between. Apparently where that comes from is that in the early 70s, there was a revival of, of oldies music. So it's funny. Like I think of oldies music, um, you know, as someone who was born in the late 70s, but grew up in um, the 80s and the nineties, um, I would probably consider this oldies music to an extent coming out in 1973 it was born. It was came out before me. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird. Like think, Oh, all these old, you know, we're going to do oldies stuff. And, you know, even some of this oldies stuff that they did, isn't really even that old. I, I don't recall when fun, fun, fun came out, but 
what, maybe 10 years, 10, 12 years, maybe before uh, this album was released. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, overall, despite the medley, um, I do think that it is a, a, a solid album, man. It's, it's, it sounds good. Um, it's recorded great. It's produced well. Um, it's, it's cool, man. Like, you know, um, it's, it's a solid compilation of songs. Um, I could do without the instrumental. I just think for something that really only has six songs, why, why would you do an instrumental? Um, just seems kind of, kind of a waste, uh, especially since, you know, like I said, Richard Carpenter is a, um, you know, talented songwriter. I believe he did most of the songwriting for the Carpenter. So dude, write another song and, and throw it on there. I mean, I know it's not easy to just pull songs out of your ass, but still, I think there could have been, um, a little bit, a little bit more there. Uh, so this is the country hipster podcast and I'm trying to keep the format as much as I can. Um, but I can't do everything, um, because number one, it's, I'm by myself. And number two, we literally like, you know, I, so basically what I'm getting as the Regina factor, um, my daughter is now eight months old. She turned eight months on Saturday. So we're very, very excited about that. And she's like doing all sorts of crazy shit. She learned how to play peekaboo today, which is pretty fucking awesome. Um, you know, she'll like, you know, she put it like a, like a, I was changing her, you know, and like she had a onesie and shorts. So I took the shorts off and I like put it on her face. I was like, where's Regina? And she like pulled them off. And, and I said, where's Regina? And she put them up again and pulled them off. So it was, you know, it was cute. She's, she's, she's getting big and she's eight months now and she needs to stop growing. I will say that. Uh, for myself and for my wife, Katie, we both agree that Regina needs to stop growing. But like I said, you saw me pull the paper out. Um, I know it was only a few seconds between when I said, Hey, come back. And, and when we came back, um, but, uh, you know, I really did listen to this album in you know, pretty much in real time to, um, to grade it and to review it. And, uh, so it's now, you know, quarter after 10 and Regina's in bed. So Regina's not going to get an opportunity to hear this. Uh, plus it doesn't really go into like, you know, the Regina factor of me and Adam, because it's, you know, this is kind of like an offshoot. Um, but if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I would say that Regina would probably like this album. Maybe I'll play it for, uh, tomorrow or something. Um, but, uh, you know, she she seems to like female singers, uh, specifically Ellen Green from Little Shop of Horrors and Sarah Brightman, um, who you would know uh, from a lot of musical theaters, such as uh, Phantom of the Opera and pretty much anything Andrew Lloyd Webber needs a woman's voice for. Um, uh, so so my guess is she would love Karen Carpenter's voice and she would love these songs. She does seem to like stuff with melody as well. So the things I can do, though. Top three songs, my top three songs. We don't get Adam's top three songs. Hold on. Wait, I'm sorry. I just forgot. I'm not the only person here. Snoop, what are your top three songs on this album? Snoop is so wise. He just looks at me and I just know. I just know. He's like, man, you put a dagger through my heart with that stare to Snoop. All right, cool. You don't, he doesn't want to give his top three, but we know, we know Snoop likes it. So it's cool. Um, so my top three um in this order um and it actually you know it hit me like once i heard it um when i flipped the record on beginning of side two once i heard it uh yesterday once more is such a fucking solid song i I honestly forgot about that song i forgot that song existed and then i heard it i'm like fuck man i love this song this song's beautiful and it's and it's good so yesterday once more is my number one number two is sing which is funny 
two things about Sing. Number one, I remember one of my earliest memories as a child is in kindergarten, walking in a distant elementary in Northeast Philadelphia. And um, my teacher was Mrs. Brown or Miss Brown. Uh, no, Mrs. Brown. And um, we're sitting there and we're all, you know, little kindergarten kids like, what the fuck are we supposed to do here? And she starts playing the piano and starts playing Sing. Um, and we, throughout the whole school year, she worked on sing with us, um, as, as the grade and we performed it at our kindergarten graduation. So even, even back in the, uh, in 1970 or 80 something or other, uh, they had kindergarten graduations. It's not a new thing. Um, and we performed it. Um, that song, like I said, uh, was written by Joe Raposo, right? Is that I get the name right? I don't know if I'm saying it right. Uh, Raposo. Yeah. Joe Raposo, who was a frequent, um, composer for Sesame street. Um, this was also on Sesame street. You've actually heard this song and I believe this version on Sesame street. Um, a and M the record label, which released this album did not want to release uh, sing as a single. Uh, it was the first single released on the album and it was released on, um, January 13th. 19th, 1973 so a few months before the album itself had been released and um it hit number three on the billboard hot 100 of april of that year um so the record label was wrong um as they usually are which i've come to find record labels are usually wrong and the artist is usually right my least favorite it's the medley you know it's it's real easy to go with the instrumental um it's and that's i don't know for me like just picking the instrumental is kind of like a weak pick it's just kind of like well whatever like i don't i don't particularly care it's be kind of like a slash to be the medley slash the instrumental um but it's no it's really the medley um i just don't know why they did an 18 minute medley and just the dj shit in between um each song of of the songs being introduced it's just fucking stupid i'm sorry i i mean maybe maybe it played well in 1973 um but uh in 2023 which oh my god that makes this album 50 fucking years old um yes yeah, so it's a 50 year old album um yeah it just it just doesn't play well it's fucking stupid so um so yeah so those are my uh favorites and least favorites um so what i did say was i was going to real-time grade this and um i have i have graded this album um so let's talk about what we have here Okay, so this pressing here that I have is a 1973 Columbia Records Club pressing. Uh, so when you would, uh, you know, pay that penny and get all those records and never buy anything else, this was one of the records you could get even back in 1973. What you can't probably see there, but on the spine here, it has a little CRC. If you see that when you're record shopping, that means it is a club edition columbia record club crc um you can you can two two things you could do to spot columbia uh columbia house uh record club or columbia record club um presence is number one you'll see the crc it's either um it's either on the spine sometimes it's on the back um sometimes it's just real like you know at some point they actually start it um putting on some of the records um print it uh with permission of blah, blah, blah for Columbia record club. Um, so, so some of that is there. Sometimes you'll see the CRC also on the label on the vinyl itself. Sometimes it's not another, another thing that can, uh, uh, 
tip you off that you have a club pressing is if you look at the catalog number. Now, the catalog number on this overall record, um, all of the A and M stuff starts with an SP. So it's SP-3519. Um, even though it's the Columbia House Club Edition. Um, BMG also had a club even back then. More so, I think they, they started more in the 80s. Um, their catalog numbers will actually be different than the actual catalog numbers. So those usually start with R dash and then like a five or six digit number. Don't get confused though, because sometimes there are imports with similar looking um, catalog numbers. Uh, so usually it's the R though, um, but you want to be careful. You always want to check. You don't want to just assume you have a, have a club club copy. You could actually have an import. Um, different countries use different, um, you know, numbering systems for their uh, catalog numbers. So, you know, but that's something to keep in mind. So again, the, the, the ways to know right off the bat, if you have a, a club pressing or not is the CRC, if you see that somewhere on the label, um, or if you have a um, catalog number that starts with an R dash, and then it's usually like a five or six digit number. Um, so uh, yeah, so that that is what we have here. We have a Columbia House Records pressing. So let's talk about the grading about this. So the first thing I did, we already actually kind of graded the um, the cover, which we are. We I am grading it very good. Um, nothing has changed on that um, as to the first segment of this uh, this podcast here. Um, so I did clean it. I cleaned it before I played it. Um, I went through it, um, and uh, yeah. So. I visually graded it at very good. Um, there was there was a little bit a little bit of wear on the uh, the record stuff, but really not much, not much at all. Which most of it was just kind of like some like probably like uh, like sleeve scuffs. Um, sometimes when you're pulling it in and out, you get you know, little scuffs on the uh, the the vinyl there. Um, and uh, nothing nothing no real scratches, no, not even any scratches, no like light surface scratches, nothing deep. So you know, visually, definitely very good plus playing it it is it is a solid very good plus um and uh you know so basically i will i have listed this on um discogs and ottsvillerecordgarage.com already and i will tell you the exact description that i am using there so you know this is this is how i grade uh this copy of uh the carpenters now and then uh it is a trifold jacket has light shelfware Top left corner is dented and the middle panel is separated due to old glue, but it is not split. Uh, original inner sleeve included. Vinyl has light wear and does not affect play. Appears to have been rarely played. Sounds amazing. All of that is true. It is cleaned and it ships in a poly sleeve. Now, what I'm going to do here, and I'll show you because right here is active inventory behind me. Um... All of our records here ship in a poly sleeve. We will not ship you a record that's not in a poly sleeve. Also, since I'm going to be having some pop-up events, um, I do take a post-it note with the price and the grade of the record, and I do put that in the top right-hand corner. I use the tiny little post-it notes as to not damage the cover. Um, so, because um, I want it to be easily removed. I don't even want to do like a removable sticker, because guess what? Those little tiny circle removable stickers really aren't that fucking removable. They're a pain in the ass. Um, so... You know, sometimes covers, when I get them, they already have uh, stickers on them or old price stickers. 
I don't remove stickers either. That's the other thing. When I'm when I'm grading a record, when I have a record, I'm going to leave an old price tag on there or so whatever sticker uh, someone might have put on there. But I will also notate that in the description. Hey, this has an old price tag on it. Sometimes it's kind of cool because, you know, you get like a like a Sam Goody price tag. You'd be like, oh, this is an old Sam Goody price tag. And I'll even mention that or like coconuts uh, is another one that I'll see. And, you know, if you're in the Philadelphia area, I don't know if it's just a Philadelphia store, but like Clover, I'll get them too. like the cool like Clover price stickers but i don't remove them because i don't want to damage the cover anymore um some of them are damaged already some of them are not but at any rate it's also kind of just gives it that feel of of the vinyl but yes yeah, so this will get a little post-it note with the price on it and the grade uh the the vinyl grade i only put the vinyl grade on there obviously to the cover you can look at the cover and fucking figure it out for yourself um but then it does go in a poly sleeve uh, like this spinner's record here. Um, and it is on my shelves in a poly sleeve. Once, once it gets graded, once it gets cleaned, once it's uh, listed for sale, it uh, goes in a poly sleeve and gets put on the shelf in a poly sleeve. So if you see this stuff back here behind me, this is active inventory that has already been priced and graded and is in a poly sleeve waiting to ship. Um, then when we ship it, I'm going to put it um, in some bubble wrap and some cardboard and put it up in the cardboard um, box. Uh, excuse me, it's a two-ply, two- or three-ply cardboard box, I forget. Um, I tend to use a little bit of oversized boxes um, just so I can uh, give it a little bit more cushion when I uh, fold it up. I'll throw in a couple stickers for you, and there you go. I will ship it out to you. Um, so that is that is generally how we do things here at the Oddsville Record Garage. So this will go into a poly sleeve and will end up on the shelf tonight when I am done this. Um, so if you are interested in this record, you can either check out our Discogs page, which, which um, if you search us, I don't even know if you can necessarily search us, but it's Oddsville Rec Garage. Um, REC Garage um, on Discogs, or you can go to OtsvilleRecordGarage.com and uh, you will see this listed right now. It's uh, because I just listed it. It is on the uh, top of the homepage. Let me make sure that happened. Um, yep, it's the first thing listed as uh, as newly added titles. Um, and so let's get into some other stuff here. Like I said, this is a uh, what I ended up doing. Hold on, let me come back here. All right, so once again, the uh, grade on this, the media is at very good plus, and the sleeve is at very good because of the corner dent and the mid-panel separation, which again is not a split, it's just old glue. They just literally glue cardboard together, and after 50 years, you know, things tend to you know not work as well as they did 50 years ago just like people um so it's not split a split would be where you actually see a tear in the spine or on the seams um which is usually uh indicative of the record moving around in there uh either through shipping or just through back and forth movement and sometimes mistreatment um but uh this is not split like plus that middle panel is not supposed to hold the lp anyway it's actually the the uh the back panel with uh karen's face on it that actually holds the lp so it's definitely not a split it is a separation you can probably get a glue stick and fix it yourself if you want to i won't do that again i don't do that stuff i i listen to the vinyl or i visually grade the vinyl let you know what's going on with it and you can make your decision from there um so there are currently on discogs not including this copy there are currently 11 copies of this pressing available and they range in price of two dollars which is uh graded as very good slash good plus to 24 dollars and 70 cents which is graded at near mint near mint 
Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about that for a hot second. So as you can see, there's a big disparity in the price um, between a very good slash good plus to a uh, near mint. Now, if you look at um, on the Discogs page, uh, you can see all the different pressings, all the different offerings that are available of this pressing. Um, on OtswellRecordGarage.com, if you're buying a used album, I haven't gotten caught up on it, um, but uh, I am in the process of, when we have a used album listed on OtswellRecordGarage.com, putting a link back to our Discogs page so you can actually even go and look at all the different offerings that are available and you can get the full album uh, information. We don't put track listings and producers and, you know, shit like that on Ottsville Record Garage. I just, I have enough shit I have to do. Um, the less I have to copy and paste, the better. But I do put the link from our Discogs, from our Ottsville Record Garage back to our Discogs page, to our listing on the Discogs page. Uh, whether you buy from Discogs or you buy from Ottsville Record Garage, I, d I don't care. I hope you'll buy from Ottsville Record Garage. Um, in general, which, whichever one you come to, the difference for me is seller's fees. And you know, one is more, one is less. It is what it is. I'm not, I'm not really worried about it. I'm appreciate your business and I hope you buy a lot of records from me. Um, so with that, like, you know, we try to, I try to give really good descriptions. I try to give honest descriptions and I grade conservatively. So you know, like the person who has this listed at like very good and good plus has absolutely no description whatsoever about this, about the, the condition of the album they're, they're uh, selling it. Now I'm going to guess that they visually grade it because they are actually called grade visually only. Um, and they have a hundred percent rating with over 4,800 ratings. So you could probably, you could probably believe them. You know, I, I, I would guess that they probably sell some good shit. Um, and then you have the near mint, near mint version, which is, um, for $24 and 70 cents, um, and $35 shipping because it is shipping from Malaysia to the U S if you wanted to buy that at near mint, um, that, that seller is a 96% rating with a 326 ratings. Um, they do have a description, but basically the description is, um, no refund for this item once opened as it is sealed. Okay. So I guess that's kind of, you know, I'll give them that generally if I have a sealed record, um, like if I had this totally sealed, I would actually grade the vinyl at, um, at mint because it was sealed. Um, if it looked like it was the original sealing, sometimes there have been times where people have resealed records, um, near mint for me, I, I very rarely will list an album at near mint. My general listing, um, for the best listing you're going to get is usually going to be a very good plus this album. This copy is arguably near mint it really is just from the from the visual description and um how it played it really you know it probably is generously a, a near mint but i i grade conservatively um and i price conservatively um so if i'm going to grade something near mint and list it for near mint that means it came from my personal collection um, it means that I bought it brand new. It means I know exactly how many times I've played it or roughly how many times I've played it. Um, I know where it's been stored. I know how I've stored it. Um, all of those things are factors into whether or not it's going to be near mint. The only way I'm going to know that is if I've owned that album from day one. 
Um, I have not owned this album from day one. I've not, I wasn't even alive in 1973, so I couldn't have owned this album in 1973. Um, so in good conscience, I could not grade this at near mint. I don't know. I don't know whose basement it's been in. I don't, I honestly don't remember who I got it from or, or in what situation I got this album. Um, so that that's how I feel about near mint stuff. Um, a lot of times I think if people are listing stuff for near mint, I, I question it. I really do. Unless they could sit there and say it's from my personal, you know, um, you know, my personal collection. I, I have a tough time, um, believing near mint listings, but that's, that's me. Um, so back to this, the last time this album sold though. Okay. So you had that price range of $2 to 2470. The last time this album sold of this pressing was December 10th of 2020. Uh, that was a very good plus, very good plus copy, which sold for $7 and 50 cents. So one of the fun things we do on the podcast is that, uh, between mine and Adam's, uh, collections is that we are, um, getting the, the suggested retail value and uh, seeing whose collection is suggested, suggested retail, whose, whose collection is worth more money right now. Adam is kicking my ass in that because of fucking steel train. Fuck you, steel train and your beautiful album. That sounds like just crap that I don't like. So the MSRP on this record um, is $15 and 29 cents. The average selling price of this record is $8.48 with the median being $5.25. So what does that mean, right? So as you can see, there's a big dis discrepancy between a, a very good, good plus and a near mint copy. I mean, it's like a $22 difference. Um, the average is, you know, just kind of what that's what the average price is, you know, and the median is where it actually sells. So. A very good plus, very good plus copy sold in 2020 for $7.50. I like to be competitive. Um, I like to sell records. I'm not trying to collect records. Um, I mean, I am collecting records of my own, but those are the records I'm going to collect. I want to keep those records. These records, such as the Carpenters now and then, I am trying to sell. I want you to buy them. Um I, I Since I am pricing it to sell in the condition that it is in, um, I'm listing this and is currently listed on Oxville record garage and our Discogs page for $6 and 99 cents. Um, so a little bit above the median below the average, a uh, little bit below where it sold in 2020. Again, there's not many copies of this, but like, that's, that's the thing to think about. So there's previous to others now 12 copies previous to ours. There were 11 copies of this for sale and it hasn't sold in two and a half years. So what am I going to do? Price it for $15. It's fucking stupid. Um, so, but I do think it's, I do think it's a solid copy and I do think it's a $7 record. I, I, um, I would, uh, I would feel good about a spout, you know, because of this condition, I feel good about selling it for $7. Um, and I would feel good about buying it for $7 if I, if I wanted to buy this record. Um, that's just me. And that's, that's what a lot of when I'm pricing records and when I'm grading them, um, even though I'm not keeping this and I don't, you know, and I have hundreds of records listed for sale and I'm not keeping those, I grade them and price them as if I was buying it and as if I was keeping it. So, you know, my personal 
thing is like, hey, I, I want to get a good value for what I'm buying and I want it to be a good copy. So that that's my general philosophy on grading. As far as our grading standards, we use the standards that are on the Discogs. Um, you can see what their grading standards and what the meaning of very good plus and very good and near mint and good and fair. You could actually look up on Discogs and figure out what that is. Um, so we do use those standards. Again, I'm a little more conservative um, based on that. So that's what we got here, man. Uh, like I said, overall solid record. I like it. Um, Karen Carpenter's beautiful. I miss Karen Carpenter's voice, although at least we have lots of recordings. So one more time to Karen Carpenter. And uh, please tune in next week. Um, Adam will or should be back and we will discuss the last album pulled from the box of Mike which is the Hooters one way home. Um, so thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for um, listening. Please subscribe. I hope you liked what you saw there or what you're, what you're hearing. And um, we'll catch you next time on the country hipster podcast. But for now it is time to. Oh!